everyone. Welcome to episode 386 of This Is Whole Life, where together we deep dig deeper into the message each week here at Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. And this week is a special edition because all four of us are here again. Nobody is sick, even though my voice isn't completely back to normal. Um, you know, that we discovered something, Randy. What did we discover? Ken can be gone. <laughs> Jeff can be gone. <laughs> Melanie can be gone. <laughs> but but if Randy is sick, there is a there, there's just nobody who can do what you do, Randy. Well, You're the thing best. Falls apart. We're gonna have to train somebody to to, to throw in at the last second and uh, and throw it all together. <laughs> throw it all together. Just know how valuable you are. Ah, there you go. Um, and I actually uh, that brings me into a big thank you. I received a ton of texts, uh, emails. Just like, man, you sound horrible. I hope you're okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Anybody who heard you knew that there was a good reason why. You call, what, you call me up and like, I, I, I think we can do it. I think it. We, you, can do we, it. Can, we can do it. I was like, Randy, I don't, firstly, I know you could do it because you're strong. But I don't want to be in the same room as you. <laughs> I did. I did offer a phone call. I was like, you I can did. sneak in. Yeah, that's true. You you were very willing to be accommodating. So, so it is completely my fault that there wasn't one because I was like, I don't. Randy, just take. You know what? If we miss one week, our listeners will understand. They won't be happy, but they'll understand that it is far better for you to get a little rest. And Episode I tried. Three eighty six featuring Randy on his deathbed. I know. <laughs> That's why I made it a bonus because I didn't want it to be one of the numbered episodes that someone might go looking for and actually listen. This was, this was only for you faithful that are like, what bonus episode? Why? Why? And uh, and then when uh, the emails came back, it was like, wow, you sounded bad. I hope hope you're okay. Hope you're on the mend. So yeah. I do appreciate all of those. Um, I could not not at least put out a few things. I wanted to make sure people knew about Connected and and, and uh, Barn Party upcoming and all those good things. And so just, it was short. It was short. But that that was about all my voice was good for. I don't <laughs> think I would have made it through an entire episode. Um, I was sucking. Well, we were, were, was Melanie, were you on the phone with me with him? And he was like coughing yes. and like he just couldn't stop. Well, we were all both on it. Oh, you know, were we, we all were, on it? Yeah. We were well, looking at each other shaking yeah, our heads. No, this is not going to happen. But, but they call it podcast time, when, right? And, I'm, and I am feeling really, really bad at this point. And they all call and they made me laugh. And that was it. One spot of phlegm to the back of the throat. And it was like a five minute cough fest that yeah. there was no recovery And from. we never laughed during the podcast. No, so, so you, you know, you would have probably probably been okay. <laughs> probably would have been okay. But my wife was like, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm going to sit down and record. And she's like, now? Exactly. And I'm like, it's only a couple minutes. I, I I have it all in my head. It'll go quick. And it did. And I did know. I want somebody out there to let <laughs> let Randy know that if, her, he's, if he's not well, it is okay. <laughs> you know, we, we do want to get to a place where we have a backup, you know, engineer to do it. But but you know what? There's times when you're just sick, and it's okay to be sick. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm protecting Take a, a break. I'm protecting a seven year record here, and I, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's kind. Of, I'm kind of like, you know, give me. Yeah. The, I'm kind of like feel like Brett Favre here. Like at yeah. least when it happens, it's probably going to be. I'm pro- I'm hoping that I'm in the high rent district. Yeah, that's what it means. Oh, okay, I'm in ICU. <laughs> I'm in you know something something really really bad has precluded. I was trying to figure out where that high rent was going. Now <laughs> yeah. I got. You. Now yeah. I got it. Anytime you're in the hospital, that's well, the high I rent district. I was going to say some records. It, all records come to an end. Now I'm really rooting for you, Randy. Because. <laughs> 
That's not the kind of vacation I'm looking for, honestly. No, it's not yeah, the kind we're sure. looking for you to have either. Ah, uh, shucks. Anyway, so here we are. We're going to catch up on Philadelphia and then look directly in your feed after this one because we're going to do Laodicea today, too. We're going to give you two on the same day, and that will get you through the rest of through your the week. Through the series, because, right. because we yeah. never cheat you. No, you always, not, no, no, no. We always give you more. Oh. You had a bonus episode last week, and now you get two this week. Right. No, we're all Randy about... All, Randy always treats you right. We're always going to make sure you're well taken care of. So if you were, if you remember back to Philadelphia, we had a couple of promises that we're going to get to at the end. Ken uh, gave us a, a question, or Haas gave us a question. Poor Haas that day. Yeah. The computer doesn't work first service, but there's not a lot of questions. He gets questions at second service, and then we're out of time. Yeah. Sorry, Haas, but you, you, you did a good it's job. Like, it's like a running gag, though, now. Yeah, it happens to him if, if all the time. is on, it's like that's what's going to happen. He's not going to get to ask questions. <laughs> so we're going to get to those right before we get to the questions, because those two kind of work together. We're going to make those work out. But the first thing about Philadelphia was, I was like, okay, Philadelphia, cream cheese. No. <laughs> um, there was, uh, and I was thinking, you know, everybody's favorite sandwich. We all want to have the Philly cheese steak. The Philly cheese steak. Which, by the way, can I just say, great vegan restaurant. Have you gone yet? Where? V's. V's. Oh, I've heard about it. V's vegan restaurant. They have a, a, a Philly cheesesteak. Really? Vegan sandwich. They have a lot of good things. But, you know, on this show, I love to tell you good places to eat. Well, there you, you will go. not be If you're vegan, you will not be sad. Well, all right. If you go to V's. And yeah, if was, you... Uh, good. And if you go and you like it, make sure it's like, hey, maybe you should listen to Whole Life because every, you know, this is Whole Life because every once in a while we have uh, local we recommendations give, you know, in Orlando. We we give you the bread of life and the just the regular <laughs> bread and just yeah, because yeah, man just, can't live on bread alone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even though sometimes I'd like to try because I just really love. Bread. Oh yeah. Anyway, so after I was like, okay, there's no food again, you know, sardis, we no sardines. We we went to Philadelphia. I was like, ooh, there's got to be. I mean, it's food. No, no. But we did get to meet our good old friend Shebna, and uh, Shebna, and I'm like, okay, Chief Stewart for King Hezekiah, and this guy makes what seems to be. I mean, I, I get that there's a cultural difference between then and now, but I'm like, really? The guy was like, hey. That's a really good piece of rock over there. I think I'm going to go ahead and have my guys go right over. Right in between King Solomon and King David. Seems like a great place <laughs> to build my ambition. Right, right there, right? that's ambition. And it wasn't like... Can we just say this, is though? This is kind of like Ken going ahead and setting up a monument to himself between the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington <laughs> Monument. I mean... And who'd have a problem with that? I just listen. I think if we pulled people that are listening to us, they would have a problem with that. Especially if I went and built it myself. (laughs) I think that there'd be a lot of people who had a problem. No, wait a minute, though. I'm pretty sure this guy was like high enough, right? Like his stature, his uh, social construct. I stand by my analogy, Randy. I stand by (laughs) it. He was high enough. He didn't do the work himself. So that means he had to hire someone who probably had to get a permit. So somebody, (laughs) assumingly at a high position on on the building board, allowed that permit to go through. Yeah. So, you know, maybe he's just like, hey, I, I you know, I am pretty close to King Hezekiah. Mm-hmm. So why shouldn't I be? And if I can get the permits and I have the means. I think he probably issued the permits. Do you think? Maybe he maybe, issued yeah, one he, he was the guy who had the keys to the kingdom. So. <laughs> right. See? see the, uh, who gave you this permit? <laughs> I, Shebna, gave myself this permit. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. I know him well. <laughs> it didn't take me any time at all. No, I Shebna think... is 100% behind this project. <laughs> I didn't think of that. Okay. He probably did. All right. That makes more sense now. 
<laughs> that makes more sense. Okay. I'm glad that's Melanie's role to make sense of, of what Ken, <laughs> to make the confusion sense that Ken creates. So. But, but one of the parts that I thought was interesting was this whole, you know, the keys to the kingdom and this giant key, like, and were they, they didn't make duplicates. Like, were they just lazy or was it, I mean, <laughs> it's one key and I know it's large, but I mean, once you actually, I mean, I'm assuming they probably poured these into molds. I mean, can't you pour another one? Well, Randy, let's, let's go ahead and think about it like this. Uh, you know, there are some places I've worked before mm-hmm. that, well, churches are notorious for this. You make a key, oh. you give it to a volunteer. Oh, they have a friend who needs to be getting in, so they make a replica of the key. And before you know it, pretty much everybody has mm-hmm. a, a key to the church, right? Key to the church, gotcha. And so it wasn't actually it wasn't there was not laziness involved in this. It was actually if you are if you have the key to the treasure and storehouse of a of a kingdom, hmm. limited access is important. So multiple copies, not a good plan. But and it's so, not like you can put this key in your pocket, though. I mean, if you had a second key and you're walking in, I mean, wouldn't they know that, like, hey, you're not Shebna, and you're and you're walking over like a lumberjack with this giant key over your shoulder? I'm going to have to ask Melanie to give you an illustration to help you out because <laughs> I've, I'm I, I, I don't know how to help you here, but you know, it's I like, mean, these are weird questions. It's like Las I Vegas. It's like Las Vegas. It's like if you have the key to the vault, it's not like they're going to give you a key. You're going to have to have, you know, the eye scan, the mm. voice scan. There's going to, it's going to take a lot to get you into that vault. Because, so this really was a working key. Yes. Like it opened something. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I mean, I, I thought it was more metaphorical or just more. No. Uh, okay. No, literally had, literally. this was the, this was the key to the treasure storehouse or storehouses of hmm. the King of Judah. And so this is not a small thing. I mean, there was a lot of really costly, expensive treasure found there. And for him to have the key to it, if you go back to the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, you see that Joseph was the chief steward of Potiphar, and Potiphar didn't have to think anything about his, about what was going on because Joseph was so trustworthy and literally had access to everything under Potiphar's control. And this is this is Shebna's role in Hezekiah's kingdom. He has access to everything. And that key is 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 not just a symbol, but it literally gave him access to the king's treasure house. So here's an observation. This came from our from one of our questions. It's a good place to put it in. So Shebna was kind of like positionally like Joseph was to Potiphar, but mm-hmm. he just lacked Joseph's humility. Is that a good comparison? That's a perfect comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Aaron. See, I needed someone to bail me out. It's been uh, it's been Melanie so far, and now and now Aaron. Thank you. That that worked out. And well. I think it's also important to to remember, and I, I briefly alluded to this in the sermon, that I think it went beyond the hubris of of building a tomb in the you know where the tombs of all the great kings of Israel were at. That that in some Jewish lore, Shebna also was betraying secrets, Judah, was right? be- giving out the kingdom secrets to the Assyrians, and so there there is a legend out there that that was or part of of some lore that I came across in Jewish history that that Shebna also committed the crime of of you know giving away some of the secrets of the kingdom, which. If you add to that to the hubris, that it really makes a lot of sense that 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 Isaiah would come down 
hard on this guy. When you said that, it gave me the Heyman vibes. Yeah. Kind of like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, this is I've been entrusted and I'm I'm pretty cocky. I think I can pretty yeah. much get away with anything in including just killing a whole uh a whole group of people. Population yeah, a whole population people. of people. <laughs> yeah. No, for sure. And the other part that it intrigued me you know, Philadelphia, there's really no complaint. It's the youngest of the seven cities. Mm-hmm. Possibly, you said, created to be a missionary city. Yeah. Is that part of why they were kind of some of the good things that Jesus had to say came from that possibility? Well, according to, um, and I want to make sure I, uh, Stefanovic um, is who I was quoting on quoting, that. Yeah. And the reason I want to be sure I, I quote him is because I couldn't find this anywhere else. Um, and so <laughs> Stefanovic says that the Greeks created Philadelphia to be a missionary city for their language and their culture. Um, and that was part of the purpose of Philadelphia. And so that being the case, when you start seeing what Jesus is doing, there's there's some implication that Philadelphia, that Jesus is repurposing Philadelphia from being a uh, missionary city of Greek culture and Greek language to a missionary city of Christian culture and Christian language, so to speak. That would have been obvious to the people in the church living there if that was the case, that it was meant yeah. to be that. Oh, yeah. for Not just to the so, people living in Philadelphia, it would have been very obvious to the other six six churches as well in, this, in, that, in that Asia Minor area. They were all—it's kind of like we're all very familiar of—or I shouldn't say we're all aware, but we're we're pretty aware of what different—you know, if I said Nashville and then said, you know, and then I made allusion later to Music City, you would understand that country music was involved, possibly Christian music— you would have some um, context to that. And then if if we talked about Seattle— and you would maybe think about rain, and you would think about you know really beautiful coffee. Uh, coffee. Yeah, you might think about coffee. <laughs> yeah. That wasn't the word I was going to put, but yeah, that works for you. Um, but you would think about those things. And so when you think about you know here in the United States, you can think that oh, well, how would these six cities know about you know the seventh city or this? Well, the same way that we know about cities. And when we, we talked about Philadelphia, you talked about cream cheese, you talk about Philly cheesesteaks, you know. And you kind of have the, the the lore of those cities. You know that Philadelphia has the Liberty Bell. Um, that it, you know, and so if you you made an allusion to Philadelphia and, a, and about uh, a bell, people would immediately kind of pick up they on pick that. Up and on if it, you yeah. talked about a tea party, people would think about Boston. And so the same thing is true when you're talking about these seven churches. The people who are reading this especially in that time and that place, would have been very familiar with the history, the lore, the, the legends, the, the, all those things that go into that city. And so, so not just Philadelphia, but all the other cities would have also been like, oh, missionary city, oh yeah, okay, that's, that's, that's Philadelphia. Them. Yeah, then we know what they were created to do, and we, we know the background of them. And they, they, you know, they would have seen the little, the, you know, the little winks that, that Jesus is putting in there to, to the people there, and they would, have, they would have very much understood what was going on. And that's, and that's really the value. I mean, we can—it's the value of actually taking time to actually know the culture and, and what's going on in that time and place, because if, if you just read the text straight— You'll get some good things out of it, sure. and you'll get some good things out of it, but you'll not get the richness that's, that was there for 
for the original person reading this message. And, and, and I imagine that there's there's part that today we won't get just because we didn't live back then anyway, but you get so much more if you take the time to understand the history and the culture, and it all plays into the message. It all plays into the message. In fact, sometimes if you don't know the culture and you don't understand what's going on, you, you can get a wrong idea about what Jesus is really trying to convey to that church. Well, I've been to Nashville, and the only legend I know of there is Tim. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so that, I mean, he is a legend. If you guys go, I'd, I'd look sure. him up for sure because I think that's part of the that's part of the allure. Not talking about Tim McGraw either. <laughs> no, no, Tim. Who? What? No, 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 no. Um, so after the you know the the Christians there in Philadelphia are losing their religious protections, they're thrown out mm-hmm. of the synagogue. And it, you you start to feel kind of like you've done for what was the uh, oh man I should have wrote it down was it Ephesus that was un, no um, that were persec- getting persecuted that was uh, uh, Smyrna. Smyrna. Smyrna Smyrna and you start to feel kind of that same oh man here we go again with with the persecution but immediately you you followed that up with and I thought that more so than the persecution part not that it's not important but the affirmations that Jesus gave were not just affirmations. You described them and, you're, and you weren't wrong, that they're almost enthusiastic. Yeah. We all love affirmation, but he's like, not only do I see you, but man, you guys are killing it over yeah. here doing this. And it's like, what? how cool would it be if Jesus showed up at your church and said, you know, I see, I see you, whether it's persecution or not, but I see you, I see what you're doing, and you guys are killing it. And I just, that just made me, um, it just put a really good smile on my face this morning when I re-listened to the message again, because I hadn't for a couple of days. And that part really just stuck out to me. And I wonder if there's some way in for us today that we can somehow harness those things that we think we're doing well, or that we might be doing well, that Jesus might be saying to us personally, or or maybe as a staff or as a as a, a, a church body, man, you guys are killing it. Because I think when you feel that that energy and who it's from, it just makes you want to be excellent. It makes you happy. It makes you feel fulfilled. It makes you want to be persecuted. Well, <laughs> I probably well. <laughs> well and, but can we just can we just acknowledge that the, yeah. the two churches that that have no complaint from Jesus. What they have in common is that they're being persecuted. Yeah. And I think that, and, and the thing that the two churches that receive no compliment from Jesus <laughs> have in common is that they're living pretty, pretty, pretty posh well. lives. They're, they're not, mm. they're not, they're not going, they're not apparently going through anything difficult. They're just, they're, you know, Laodicea, as we're going to talk about in the next episode, rich increase need of nothing. That's their their take on things. And so I think it's, uh, none of us want to go through difficult times. None of us want to go through persecution. I don't. And yet there is a bit of refining in that, that there is something inside those difficulties that seems to sometimes bring out the best in us. And I think maybe one of the reasons for that, and it'd be nice if we could figure out how to do this without persecution, is that sometimes persecution really focuses you on what's truly important as opposed to the the peripheral superficial things. Mm-hmm. And it brings, you know, it, it was always amazing to me when I 
when, when we lived on Guam and we would go through typhoons and earthquakes and all these other things, I always... You got typhoons about, and yeah, earthquakes? The, about the only natural disaster that we didn't go through was a blizzard. That's about it. Uh, we had Goodness. a volcano that erupted. I'd never heard of VOG before, but this is when volcanic ash mixes with fog. Yeah. We we got to experience that. So we went through all these different things, but what, what always struck me about it is that during those hard times, the community would always come together. You quit worrying about political parties. You quit worrying. Everybody would all come together and focus on supporting each other and taking care of it. Do you have a place to stay? Oh, you don't have water at your place. Come stay at our place. Oh, you don't have power. Come stay with us. Oh, you need gasoline for your car. Hey, we've got a gallon. Here you go. You can. It was incredible to me how communities would come together in those times of suffering and, and loss and it's to me, it's a shame that as as Christians, that's kind of what sometimes it seems like, seems it, like takes it takes yeah. to get us to to focus on what really matters. But that's what we really see when it comes to these these churches that are are getting commendations from Jesus with no complaints versus the ones that have no commendations and only complaints. I think it also is is a framing. It's something of a framing device. And I read. I don't remember who the scholar was that I was reading about, but you've got churches who are going through um, persecution and they're having difficult times. And what John what John is writing here in some ways, I, he, you know you can you can see yourself as a victim mm-hmm. or you can see yourself in, as a contestant in a great struggle. And I think what's happening here is John is is trying to talk to people and use these these words that he received to help people understand, you know, that there's there maybe there's more going on. So maybe maybe what you're experiencing is you can see it more than one way. So if you, but if you imagine yourself as a contestant versus a victim, then all of a sudden there's some energy in that. There's some endurance, there's some mm. perseverance. Mhm. And a lot of resilience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think um I think too that if this letter was in a sense, read to everyone in each in every church. There's also a a, a factor that that brings into you know, not possibly not everyone that's listening to this is all in the same boat, so to speak. And so you do get this uh, feeling of, especially if you were in that that uh, church where you were somewhat complacent. And, and and living a pretty posh life, you kind of realize, whoa, we got a pretty- where should I be focusing? <laughs> yeah, and I did think there was a redirect here that each each person, or each member of these church churches gets a chance to see from a different perspective of how God sees different things at uh, you know even at different locations, so to speak. And I think it is a kind of a a framework for where I can get a chance to refocus mm. even on a, you know, I think there is a question coming up, by the way, I think we, we looked at it, but there is a, a personal side to this that we could look at yeah, from our own lives. Well, and I, I like that perspective idea that when different churches, different places, different circumstances, and being able to look at another church and maybe instead of being jealous, thinking to themselves, wow, I mean, look at what they're dealing with. We, yeah, we we've got it good here, or vice versa. How can we? Maybe it moves you to action instead of having to get to that point where you know sometimes we have churches call not even from our denomination, not even from our country, that will send an email and say, 
uh, I noticed you guys do this on your online. Can you help me figure out how to do this? And it's it's a it's a it's a privilege to be able to say, yeah, I'd love to help. What well, what do you need? And a lot of times it's just an idea. It's a framework. It's how do I get started? When we instead of having to someone looking and saying, man, they don't really have what we have. But being able to share and give them that without having to be on the other side where you have to go through this suffering in order to realize, man, you know, this is this stinks. But maybe that's why maybe we should be doing what they're doing. So I think there's maybe there's ways we can do this, too, without with being on the more on the positive side and and helping those out without having to necessarily be told to do it. I, I did really like, though, Ken, that when the the commendation you were talking about towards the end of your message about because you've kept my word to endure patiently, and I'm like, patiently, does that have to be part of it? Um, <laughs> because I I can endure. Uh, it's rarely patiently. Um, Melanie will attest to our working together last week. Uh, it, it, uh, Friday night was one for the history books, wasn't it? <laughs> it wasn't. Uh, uh, we both endured. We're both we, here. We endured. Um, what we set out to do was taken care of, but I wouldn't have said anything about we, me was patient necessarily. Although for me, it was very patient. So everything's anyway, relative. Everything's everything's <laughs> relative. But, you know, just realizing that Jesus is right there with us. And that was and his his affirmation came from that spot. It's it's so easy to forget in even during that week where it was kind of crazy and Friday night kind of everything came to a head and we had people online, you know, praying for us and, and, and kind of sticking with what our, through our, through our, we had a lot of support. Thank <laughs> through, you everyone. That was awesome. Through support. And it was most of the people. I know that that like Aaron, you were on there uh, praying for us. And I know Randy, there was a bunch of people that were there and it really made me stop and think about how, you know, the culture that we try to, to create and because it's the culture we want. It's how we want to be treated. It's how we want our church family to react. If there's someone's hurting, we want to help and vice versa. If we're in that, in that position and it just made, it just really felt really good to be able to, to lean on someone else who wasn't even in the room. It was kind of a weird, it was a little weird for me, but also thank you for, for that part of you that is attracted to whole life church and what we try so hard to be and to do and to show Jesus and you were Jesus for us. And it really brought that home really in this part that, you know, endure patiently. Eh, I'm not saying it was patient, but I am saying that the endurance, to be able to endure was helped by those around us. You know, I, I wonder to, so I'm just going to detour here for a yeah. second. But you know, when my kids, my kids were little and uh, they had to wait on something and they weren't waiting patiently, you know, there's, there's the parent in me that's like, <laughs> think I appreciate you being so patient. Thank you for waiting patiently because that's what you're trying to develop. Oh, you know, right, you're trying yeah. to develop this. I wonder if Jesus is like, thank <laughs> oh, you for your patience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can totally see that. That's awesome. All right. Well, we are to the point now where we had a couple of things that Ken said he was going to cover in the podcast only. So if you've been waiting for that, now is your time. <laughs> been waiting for two weeks for this. For two weeks. And um, and one of the verses finished with, The one who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of God. And the name, and those were the names on two names on the pillars of Solomon's temple. So Ken promised a little bit more about that. 
one of the fascinating things, and by the way, if you're looking for resources on the seven churches of Revelation, uh, one of the resources I found the most helpful as I was studying this was uh, a book called The Sermons to the Seven Churches of Revelation by a man named Jeffrey A.D. Wema. And apparently, he has some sort of connection to... Uh, Melanie has a friend who studied under him or something right. like that. Yeah, so, Calvin took so, yeah. a New Testament class from him yeah. and Calvin. Anyway, so hmm. that was kind of funny because her friend was visiting one week <laughs> and I, when I mentioned him and was like, oh, I took a class from him. So anyway, so that was kind of interesting. <laughs> um, but uh, Wema actually puts out, I think, six different theories on the, the columns in, in, in his book on the seven churches of Revelation. And one of those has to do with, well, actually, a couple of them have to do with the columns that Solomon had in his temple. And I'll just, I'll run through it really quick, but the two columns, one was called, and I, I'm probably going to butcher the name, is Jakin, J-A-K-I-N. I don't know. I have, a fr- I have a friend named Jakin. Jakin. So that was the, like the name of one of the pillars, <laughs> um, and the other pillar's name was Boaz. So these these two pillars, Boaz means in him is strength, and Jacob, they think it probably means he establishes. Um, so those are the, the names of these two pillars. And so when Jesus says that they'll make him pillars, they, they, they kind of think of Solomon's temple, they think about these two pillars. But then apparently there was another pillar called the king's pillar in, in Solomon's temple. And some people think it was possibly one of those two pillars, but they're not sure. So this is another one that it could be. Apparently, there was also a custom in some of the pagan temples that whenever a priest was at the end of his his time of service, that he would erect a pillar that would put his name, he would put his name, the name of his father, the place of his birth, and his years of service, and he would erect this pillar inside the pagan temple with, with his name and all that information on it. So again, this is another theory there are a couple others that were a lot less likely. And then uh, the sixth one that I thought was was kind of interesting was, and I'm just going to read straight from this, that the metaphor of the victorious believer as an inscribed pillar may uh, continue the illusion of the third Christ title in Isaiah 22, 15 through 25, which tells how Shebna will be replaced by Eliakim as the master of the household of the king of King Hezekiah. So if you look at Isaiah 22, and I do believe that you go to verse 25, it follows and says that he'll make a peg of Eliakim. He'll make a peg of him. And some people argue that when you, you translate that word, you could also translate it, you'll make him a column. Um, and so there's a thought that maybe this is, again, another nod to that Shebna story in Eliakim where, where God says that he's going to make him a peg in this new temple. Again, it's, uh, there's actually a seventh one as well. But anyway, there's, so there's all these different things. Get the book if you want to see all the different theories out there. But it's, it's fascinating. The point that I would make is that basically you can always— one of the things you can know about a pillar is a pillar holds things up. It has an important status, especially inside of a temple. And so, you know, for instance, when when Samson 
is uh, has been blinded. He's been put into the Philistines' temple. He asked to lean up against the columns of the temple, and then he basically, is, um, as the Old Testament records, that he pushes on these columns, he brings, brings the, the house, house down, down literally, mm. which is where the you know where that comes from. So there you go. He brings the house down on top of himself, kills more Philistines in that one moment than he had in his entire career, which uh, you know, pretty... according to the author of Judges, a good thing. So there you go. So the thing is, um, you know. The pillars had an important part played a role. They they held things up, and so what's fascinating is that Jesus, who is the 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 central pillar that does hold up everything else, says to the the people in Philadelphia, "Look, it, when you overcome, guess what? You're a pillar too. You're a mm. pillar. You're what you're what holds up this temple of God. You're you're you have an important place, and regardless so, of how weak you feel. Yeah." Exactly. Well, that's a pretty cool. That's a pretty cool isn't, responsibility, isn't it? Well, and going about what I, I love what maybe. yeah, and I love what what Melanie just pointed out there because remember, Jesus has told Philadelphia, "You think you're weak, you feel weak, and yet yeah. here he is." But guess what? You're going to be what holds it up. Yeah, Philadelphia might be. It might be my favorite. Really? Um, just the way that there's so much, and maybe it's just the way the affirmation comes, the pillars, and just realizing that a lot of times it's we think about Christianity and we have rules to follow. We're trying to be good. We're trying to do things ourselves and realizing that God's already put you in places to be that pillar and to have the tools that you need to to do those things is a, is a pretty cool reminder that it's more than just... I don't know, some pawn in a game, cosmic game of something that you don't always understand all the rules, or maybe you don't understand all the pieces and parts that go with it. But to realize that he's trusting you with that and he's going to give you the power to do what he needs you to do is is a, is a pretty cool reminder. And I, that's one thing that I took away from here. So we had a question that Haas gave at the very end from Daniela. She is apparently an attendee to our young adult Sabbath class called Centered. And it was, today we discussed about what makes a church good and why we go. Since the church is the people, are we to take this to the individual level? And how do you think the Church of Philadelphia reflected Jesus' character? Are those two different things? Probably. Let's go to the one. Are we to take this to an individual level? So, by definition, a church is not a single person. A, a church is a group of people. Okay. Um, that doesn't mean that there aren't lessons for us as individuals in these churches, but what I would want us as a family to take away from these seven churches is that it's it's about all of us together. And in our American culture, we tend to be rugged individualists, which has its benefits and its and, and, and its drawbacks. And so, the challenge for us often is to think as a group in a group sense. And so, I think one of the challenges when it comes to these seven churches of Revelation is to think of ourselves as part of a group and to see the message not simply for me, but for the people around me, and how do we process this together. And we are kind of accustomed to thinking, well, I can only control myself, and that's true. But what, I, what I've noticed in life is that when one person views themselves as a part of a group and that they can influence the group mm. by the way they behave and the attitude they take, you know, if it's one... They've done studies repeatedly, and just one person with a bad attitude can drag down a large group of people with them, and vice versa. A one individual with a good attitude who just has has a positive outlook on things can 
can take a group of people that don't have as many skills as you would think would be necessary to be successful, but that positive attitude can push it through. And so I think the real question for all of us as we listen to these is, is there a message in there for me? Absolutely there is. Take it. But is there a message for me and us to, that we can push. It's almost like a body with many parts. Ah, mm. Almost like huh. playing their parts. Yeah. <laughs> like an like eye it's... can't say okay. to Sounds the rest of the body, for forget reason. you, I don't need you, and go hopping <laughs> off by itself. <laughs> now, I love what you said about that, though, Ken, that it, we all have so many different gifts. Um, you like today we're sending off one of our one of our staff members uh Jesenia, who's been here for a while yeah. and and we all got to go around and say something that we appreciated about Jess during her time here and while there's some central themes to what we all experienced we each had something different we each had yeah. a different memory and we each had a different skill set of hers that we really really resonated with and when when we do what God has given us and each person is going to take something different. And I think that's what makes the body so unique and it makes it work so well together because we all find that place where we play off each other. And someone, like you said, someone being a downer can really drag a ton down, but someone just being themselves and being transparent and allowing God to work through them can really affect a ton of people Mm -hmm. in a really, really good way. That's, that's really cool. I didn't didn't put those in there. Yeah. And I think it also, you know, you're, in a sense, when you listen to a com, you know, a, some kind of a condemnation, there is a level of culpability for everybody. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, but also with the commendation, there is also a level of praise, and that that everybody gets a chance to take part in. So I do think, um, you know, I do think that as you think collectively in these in these areas, you share, and that's that's part of that, you know, that. Where, where you, when you go home eventually to your home, you know, to your home, and you go to your own bed, when you go to your own, your own space, so to speak, there is that level of, of again, belonging, and yeah. I think that's that's a big piece to these churches. And we really experience that just yeah. in a sports sense. For those of you who yeah. are sports fans, when your, when your team wins. Yeah, you say we won. Yeah, we win. We win. You know, you. What did you have to do with it? <laughs> you, know, you, you weren't out playing. You weren't strategizing. And then if you're a Commanders fan, you say we lost. Wow, <laughs> that, was, that was harsh. Ouch. That was well. And, and oh, man. wow, Melanie, I, I just got fired wow. just now. Let's, be, let's be fair. If you're a Packers if fan, if you're a this Packers year, fan, this we lost, year, yeah. uh, and we is. looked and we looked bad doing it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, at least the Commanders look good. Yeah, we I'm, don't even look good yeah. this year. I am just. Uh, I'm still gonna. I'm, <laughs> yeah. Are and we when about one part of the body hurts, or? we all hurt well, together. That's right. I can tell you're hurting over there. We 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 do hurt. Well. The one final question was, um, how do you think the Church of Philadelphia reflected Jesus' character? Was it their enduring through through the hardship he said he'd overcome as well, right? Yeah. And so maybe that's the part that... The patience. That patience, the patience. piece. Yeah. 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 Resilience. Yep. yep. I like it. All right. We are going to be cruising on here into Laodicea in, in just a moment. But before we do... Do we have one more? Did we, we do have something? one more thing that we have to cover. Oh, I the two prom- brothers. Yeah. Yo, okay. Can't leave without one. that I would say how the, tr- how the city That's got its right. name. And so here's the uh, very, 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 very condensed story. Um, basically, there are two brothers. The... Uh, they were princes. They were the, you know they had a king that was their father. He's the king of Pergamum. Uh, when he passed away, the one of the sons whose name was Eumenes the second became the king of Pergamum, and Attalus the second was his brother, the younger brother. 
Well, Eumenes went out um, shortly thereafter, went out and was involved in some sort of skirmish or battle or something, and it was thought that during that skirmish or battle that he died. So Attalus took the throne because that he was the next in line to take the throne. Well, it turns out that Eumenes didn't die during the battle, and he returns back to Pergamon, and... Um, Brother was like, yeah. and and so he so Attalus was faced with the decision: does he step down from the throne? And it may seem obvious today, but back then, possession, well, just like today, possession is ninety percent of the <laughs> of the law, right? And Attalus was in a position to to tell you many, we thought you're gone, um, or I'm going to make you disappear again, or whatever. But Attalus, very uh, without without really giving a second thought, immediately steps down. And and puts uh, his brother Eumenes back on the throne. Says, you know that, you know, you're the king, not me. You take it, which was a really big thing back in that time. Well, a little bit more time goes away by, and um, Attalus goes on behalf of his brother to Rome because they were a vassal state of Rome, and and the Romans were not happy with Eumenes, and so they said to Attalus, look, you're we like you, you be the king. We'll go ahead and, and support your right to be the king, and we'll depose your your brother Eumenes. All you have to do is agree, and we'll make it happen. Wow! And 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 Attalus turns him down. He says, "No, no, no. My brother's the king. I know you're not happy with him, but we can. He'll make it right. We'll make it right." And he fights for his brother to remain on the throne. And so uh, eventually, Eumenes does die. And Attalus does take the throne, but they named Philadelphia after these two brothers, and and Attalus was given the name of a, lo- a brother of love, or a, the the brother that loves his brother, because of the way that he showed respect to his older brother, even when he didn't have to, and so that's where Philadelphia got its name. City that's of great. brotherly love. That is the Greek city of Philadelphia. Now the U.S. city of Philadelphia got its name from the Greek city, and, and there you go. If you go to Lincoln Financial Field, I'm not sure you're going to feel that same kind of support. But you didn't, <laughs> you didn't hear that from me, particularly if you're a Washington <laughs> Commanders <laughs> fan. <laughs> well, listen. There's two things before we go, real quick. Um, in your feed coming up after you've listened to this, you will find episode 387, which is going to be on our final installment in this series on Laodicea. But one thing I want you to know: Barn Party. We just finished with Connected. We'll talk a little bit more about that next in the next episode but barn party on november 11th put it in the save the date make sure you're there if you are a whole life member here's what we need you to do we need you to invite a friend any way anyhow anyone you need to invite invite them second bring some chili bring some cookies yeah chili and, and cookies. cookies and there's going to be a cookie and chili contest, contest. food needs to be there at 5 15 i'm going to bring chili but i'm not really that Thinking no. I've got much of a chance of that. Last yeah. year I, I had the uh, the stuffing taken out of me on that one. So. Well, you know. <laughs> hey. And if you're inviting people and families with youngins, four PM is the time to show up, y'all, because that's when all the kids' cool stuff that's only for the little kids, yeah, that's, that's right, when yeah. all that all kicks off. And of course there'll be plenty of adults to hang out with. So yeah. as you go to the petting zoo and the other things that are gonna be there for the kids. But four o'clock for the kids, so five fifteen. You said two things though for, for whole life family members, right? right. Oh and bring your chair or blanket yeah, too. Okay, so that's three, but I'm thinking of a fourth. What do you got? So we could really use from all of our family members to take uh, a shift helping with oh, a, a right. wide variety <laughs> a of, lot of different things. things. We need everything from people to empty the trash, to help run the rides, to um, greeting, greeting, greeting people. security, all yeah. kinds yeah. of different things. So there's a, a link that will be in the show notes, I'm sure, that you can yes. click on. Um, 
And uh, helping out with that really makes a difference. And and family, I I was blown away. Last year was my first year. I, I hadn't seen anything like this. And we had more than 2,000 people that came through last year. And that's not just our church family, obviously. We have the community that's coming through. We've invited Advent Health University students that we've you know, we were partnering with Advent Health on some other things. So there's a lot, a lot, a lot of people coming through. So it would be a huge help to us if you did those things that we ask. If you if you would be willing to sign up, you don't have to sign up for the whole evening just for just take a shift, like an hour or two or whatever, you know, whatever you wanted to. But just take it away. And then you can have, you know, do do all the stuff also, but do that and then bring bring a big pot of chili. Bring mm-hmm. bring cookies so that when so we're not Worried about running out for our guests and the, the people. Who Don't are make everybody eat hot dogs. No, I mean the hot dogs are on good. us. They're on us and they're good. Yeah, but that would be it. And I mean, who doesn't love a good chili? In Let me the just fall? tell you, a chili dog is one of the highest forms of nutrition. Well, that's true. Out there, in my opinion, you eat, you bring the chili, and we've already got the dog. All you got to do is, you know. Yep, there it is. That's it, Melanie. Did you? Well, no, I was just sitting here feeling nostalgic because actually Barn Party was my very first that's whole right. life yeah, event. That's right. I, that's right. Tim and I came down from Nashville and hung out with everybody and just decided yeah. we were going to stay. I think, so. it's cook- <laughs> I think it's cookies and pie, too. Is it pie, too? Yeah, there's I think pie, it's pie too. Although, I don't know. Is, there's not a pie contest. No, no, no pie. Just, there's no pie but, contest. But there should be pie. So yeah, yeah, but if yeah. you want to bring a pie, and you yeah. know, and let's face it, I mean, Publix makes a really good key lime pie, so you know, you don't have, there to, you go. You don't have to be a baker. Just, i got to talk to John about how, how to be become a judge in the cookie contest. That's what I need <laughs> okay. to figure out. <laughs> so barn party, bring a blanket, bring a chair because you need a place to sit. We're going to bring the hot dogs. So if you're and like, don't, you don't have to ask the people you're bringing. They don't have to bring anything except themselves. But for those of us here, members, we're going to bring the chili. We're going to bring the cakes and the, and the pies and the cookies. No cakes, cookies and pies. Don't say cakes. Don't say cakes. If you bring cakes, but if you someone bring cake, will, no one somebody will, will probably somebody eat, will eat it. But that, yeah. yeah but but John Monday gave me strict instructions. No, no, no don't say. And cakes. now you've said that more than you've said pie. So and now people said, are right. going to be like completely and, confused. It's pie. Bring pie. And I saved and volunteer. And I saved. And I didn't even say volunteer. Ken said volunteer. But it will be in the show notes. So find a place to sign up and we'll see you there. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a great time. Look forward it. to seeing you. All right. That's going to do it for this week. Tune in really quickly. It'll be the <laughs> next be episode. For this, this minute. So, Natania, we're a little bit short for your drive-in, but um, you can get started Don't on worry. Laodicea and Second then you can part. go on your way home. You have one for both, Nathaniel. Who loves you? I do. <laughs> By the way, I love you all. Thanks for listening and have a great week.